Welcome back to another episode of the Final Call here on Radio Massasoit. As always, Ben Mamaritas, the man with the easiest name in the Zoom, Mr. Jason Snow. I'm Andrew Fantuccio. Coming up today on the Final Call, we'll get into everything that happened over Wild Card Weekend. But first, some breaking news from yesterday: the Philadelphia Eagles, and what was somewhat a surprising move for for some people fired head coach Doug Peterson after three years, four years with the franchise and after uh, one Super Bowl win. Uh, guys, what was your reaction to the Eagles letting go of Doug Peterson? I thought it was kind of funny to be, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to laugh because someone lost their job, but that's not funny, but I'll laugh. I don't care. In context. <laughs> I mean, come on. What, what are we doing here? I mean, it was a smart, I think it was a smart move by the Eagles. First of all, Seven and nine, 13 and three, they won the Super Bowl that year. Nine and seven, nine and seven, four and four, 11 and one. Okay. That's his rec- track record as a head coach in Philly. And yeah, he's off the Andy Reid coaching tree. Those guys have typically worked out, but I think this firing has kind of been manifesting itself over the course of the season. First of all, the season didn't even get off to, an, to a good start. What did they, they faced Washington at that point? Washington was nowhere near this good. And they kind of underachieved throughout the season. And I think this whole thing can be summed up in that last game, kind of. Because the benching of Jalen Hurts, I said right after, I think it right on the show, that you can, win, you can win and lose games and be fine as a head coach. You can't win and lose locker rooms and be fine as a head coach. And, and furthermore, front offices. So, you know, then you get into the... I want a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Give me a statue. I'm going to write a book because I'm fearless. And you know what? I'll title it that. And I'm going to be this American, (laughs) this this hallmarked American hero. And it's just like, stop, stop, really? So I I guess in that aspect, I I can kind of laugh at it and find it kind of comical that two years ago, this guy was, was writing books and telling people how to win Super Bowls and I'd rather win one and have fun than five and be miserable. And it's like, really? Okay. That whole philosophy has gotten you jobless. So in that aspect, that rise and fall is kind of comical to me. But I mean, he's kind of had it coming throughout this whole year. And yeah. you, you, you feel no remorse, though, for laughing. Me? Yeah, oh, no, you- I, yeah I, I think it's funny. <laughs> I don't care. Jason's way too, Jason, Jason's way too nice to, to laugh at them. But I'm, I'm, you know, listen. I'll do a chuckle. That, that's as far as I'll chuckle. But like you said, Jason, it's comical. The fact that this guy has a statue, he's fearless. He writes a book. You know, this is how I win because I won a Super Bowl. By the way, that, that Super Bowl was the glitch in the matrix when it comes to the, the the history of NFL, you know, Super Bowls, okay? Because if Malcolm Butler plays in that Super Bowl, do they win that? I don't know. That's a debate up for, you know, another segment. But anyway, look, you won with a backup quarterback and you think you're all high and mighty. Two years later, you're out of a job. By the way, I'd rather win one Super Bowl and have fun than five and be miserable. <laughs> Who's looking miserable right now? Because the Eagles look pretty miserable. Are they having fun? I don't think so. And, you know, I think this was this was coming, and, you know, we talked about it on the show, week 17 at Washington. I be- Was it at Washington? I don't remember if it was there. But it was in Philadelphia. 
it, all right, it was okay. Home game. You're in position to win the game. You had a chance to make it a tie game going into the fourth quarter with Jalen Hurts. You're in everyone's mind pretty much that he's the future in Philly. Like he's going to be the guy going forward. You take him out and put in Nate Sudfeld, a backup who you have seen in practice for the past three or four years. You know how he can play. You throw him in there and say, I want to see what he can do in a game that is very much within grasp of winning that game. That I think was where all of this started because you saw, you saw the smoke coming from Philly and there was a big fire burning and that's where it started. And Doug Peterson was, you know, the one behind it. And I think he ended up coming out and saying how he was tired of people telling him what to do. I don't know if, you know, Jason, I know you said that he's entitled. Yeah. I kind of get that. That's where it kind of got funny to me. Like he's won one Super Bowl career, 500 coach. And he's like, I'm tired of people telling me what to do. Like, have you ever had a job? But like, that's pretty much how jobs go nowadays, unless you own something like Bezos. (laughs) That's usually how jobs go. People tell you what to do. All right. All right. So I'll agree. Doug Peterson's ego was huge. I mean, he's the type of guy, it seems like from everything that he's been saying lately, that he's the type of guy who feels like his, uh, um, you know, enters the room 10 minutes before he does. <laughs> wow. So, uh... but, but I feel like this might be a bit of a knee-jerk reaction from the Eagles front office. 4-11 record, I know. I, I know he lost the locker room. But did the Eagles make this move because they wanted to and they felt it was best for the franchise? Or did they make this move because they had no other options because they were locked into Carson Wentz's contract? What this whole season was about for me between the, for the Eagles was that there was a power struggle between Wentz and uh, Peterson. I think Carson Wentz resents almost the entire Eagles organization for the statue because of Nick Foles, uh, you know, and now you see it manifesting throughout his play this season and eventually the, you know, him being benched. Unfortunately, Howie Roseman, the Eagles GM signed Carson Wentz to a contract that just can't be moved $136 million for Carson Wentz. And I don't think that Carson Wentz is the player he was this year. I think he was just so focused on trying to prove Doug Peterson, the organization wrong that he played himself into a hole and he was inside his own mind the too much, the, the entire season. Yeah. I don't know if this was the correct move to make. It could have been, but was it the best option? Are the Eagles better off today than they were yesterday without Doug Peterson? I don't know. And I think you will see that given on who they're able to bring in to replace him. Mm-hmm. Because think about it. You have a team who's in cap jail. There's no offensive line. There's no weapons. And you have to deal with a quarterback controversy on your first day of the job. Who are they going to be able to to come in and fix that? I don't know. At least with Doug Peterson there, you already had some sort of a culture established. You just threw a monkey wrench in without by removing him. Mm -hmm. So So it just went from a power struggle to a power vacuum. So I'm just curious, was this the best move? I think bringing up Wentz is a good point. I think, you know, the Wentz contract definitely has something to do with it, but I don't 
I think I think this was the right move be just because was it the right move when, or was it the only move? Again, it's, it's, I, I know what you're saying, and like, yeah, well, like, yeah. It, I mean, considering the contract, it probably was the right move because it, it will financially. But from just a football standpoint, take the contract out of it, take the money out of it. Well, yeah, what would what you have, What would you guys have done if you were the if you were Jeffrey Lurie, the Eagles owner? What would you guys have done? Because yeah, like seven and nine record, not great, but he still won a Super Bowl against the greatest team ever. That's not nothing. And yeah, it, that Super Bowl was, can be kind of fluky without Malcolm Butler in that game. But he still beat Tom Brady, who threw for 500 yards. He still beat Bill Belichick. Just really um, think about this, is all I'm saying. No, I feel like I'm, I'm thinking about it. Because I feel like we're all just thinking, yeah, ha, ha. You know, the guy's super ego, talks a ton. Great. But the guy was, he took an Eagles franchise that was kind of miserable for a long time. Still is. And turn but, them into something. No, I mean, listen, I, I, listen. When you lose a locker room, you can't. It's very, very hard. And by all accounts, he's burned a lot of bridges in Philly. So you can't keep him because the entire locker room is at his throat right now. I mean, that's just that's just business. Like if if your if your entire locker room won't listen to the boss. Like it's it's they they I mean flat out they don't trust Doug Peterson anymore, flat out, and rightly so. I mean who knows who was behind that that decision in week seventeen? It could have been the front office, could have been Peterson. Who cares? The entire Eagles roster is annoyed with Doug Peterson because, I mean, listen, Miles Sanders went on Philly radio and was like, no one liked the decision, nobody, and he made a point to emphasize that. That's a problem, and if your team won't listen to you. The only way you can fix that is to get the coach out of there. That's the only way because going forward, I mean, they were all, everyone on, you know, on talk radio, I know all of us were listening to it. It was like, how is he going to get that locker room back? How? Because no one trusts him. No one. And the only move for the Eagles to do was to get him out. I mean, yeah, good resume. He, he beat, you know, the greatest dynasty ever in a Super Bowl. but that's it. That, that, that's all he's done. And I, Every, anyone can have a good season, right? I mean, we say it all the time. Anyone can have one good season, but can you do it, you know, over and over? The Eagles shown that, you know, Doug Peterson hasn't. Um, yes, it could have been a knee-jerk reaction, but I think if you lose a locker room, there's only one thing you can do, and that's you got to get rid of the head coach, bring in someone new, maybe try to, you know, fix everything. But it, that's a tall task for whoever comes in because whoever comes in needs – they're coming into a mess of an organization. So I don't know who's going to want to take that job. Jay's been pretty quiet. I think you guys make a lot of salient points. Um, but I th- Andrew, I think you nailed it right on the head when you explain kind of the whole picture, the big picture, in that the expensive quarterback doesn't like anyone in the organization. The, now the rookie quarterback, or now sophomore, I guess, Jalen Hurts, he might be resentful for what happened to him in that last game. Zach Gertz is, you know, looking around the stadium like is this my last time here Jason Kelsey doesn't get the doesn't get the decision the front office is confused of what to do Howie Roseman's kind of up in arms like it, it's just a big mess on top of which the fan base who's already an aggressive fan base is kind of just like really we're going to put up with this so I, I think Ben you're right that it was the right move to make I but to follow up on Andrew's point there is that they're going to have to find a way to upgrade because mm-hmm. if they if they just do an a lateral move like like Gary Kubiak won a Super Bowl. Is anyone really clamoring for him? It's like you can move off a guy like Doug Peterson, but if you bring in a guy like I'm just gonna name a few like like Anthony Lynn, 
is that really going to make much of a difference? Is that going to solve anything? So I think they're going to have to pry away a guy like Bienemy, a guy like Dayball, which honestly, there are seven head coaching jobs available. I'd rank the Eagles around the sixth or seventh. Jason, honestly, like that, that, all right, I, I wasn't going to ask this question, but I, I guess I will now because who, who should replace Doug Peterson? Because you say they need an upgrade. I don't know if that upgrade necessarily has to be a quarterback whisperer or an offensive guru. It needs to be a culture setter. Same. Yeah. You know, and, I, and honestly, you mentioned Anthony Lynn. That name never even crossed my mind. And I was pretty harsh on Anthony Lynn. However, for, you know, how he's handled the charges and all the blown losses and all that. But the, he's a stand-up guy. I like Anthony Lynn as a person. And I think that's what the Eagles team needs. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Anthony Lynn is the person, is the guy to replace Doug Peterson. But... I would definitely be looking around. I would be calling Robert Sala. I'd be calling those type My of boy. guys. Strong yeah. leaders. Someone that you can come in the locker room and, and command it. You figure out Carson Wentz later. You figure out your quarterback situation later. You got to fix the entire roster. Get them all on one page. And I think you, you, made, a, you made an excellent point when you said Anthony Lynn. And, and what you're going to have to do then is if you get a guy like that is straighten up cut the fat off this entire roster. And what I mean by that is that head coach is, is going to have to go into that locker room, huddle the guys around, and get ready to embark on 16 games of honest work full of integrity. No, we don't know what quarterback we're going to start. No, well, we paid this guy a bunch of money. Well, Hertz likes, like everyone likes Hertz better. No, Sudfeld de- deserves snaps. No more games. No more games. Look, here's who we're going to start from week one. We're going to go th- with them through week 17. That's the plan. And if, if that's Carson Wentz, great. If it's Jalen Hurts, potentially even better. But you have to, you have to straighten out the veterans on this roster because if you don't convince them, there's no way you get the ear of everyone else on the team. So start out with Kelsey. Start out with Hurts if he's there. And I don't even think you have to start out with Wentz. Start out with the veterans who won a Super Bowl there, know the city, know, like, get everything straight in the organization before you start to tackle everything else, essentially. That's just how I would go about it. But Yeah. I think, I mean, Jason, I think Robert Sala would be perfect, honestly. Thank you. I mean, hey. Is this the job for a first-time head coach, though? Like, I, I, I was yeah. going to mention Sala's name. I, I, I just, strong Sala's leader. Sala's a culture guy, I, yeah. He is. But I feel like Salah's better served for a team that's not in so much turmoil. Oh, yeah. Right? So that's why I thought Anthony Lynn was a great... Marvin Lewis might be a decent one. And I've always thought Marvin Lewis is a wet paper towel head coach who doesn't know how to win. Me too. But he knows how to set a culture. He was in Cincinnati for, what, almost 15 years? Something like that? Marvin Lewis could be someone that you call up. Call up Jason Garrett. Yeah, See if the Giants let him go. Hmm. You know, like, I, I, Sir like, claps I mean, a lot. Yes. Like I don't know if the Eagles need to win right now. The Eagles need just need to be just need to be more likable. They need a Ron Rivera. Exactly. Yes. Exactly, yeah. Jason. Yep. Hundred percent agree. I, I just want to ext- push this conversation a little bit further. Is that is Peterson going to get another head coaching job soon? I think he will. Yes. I think Doug Peterson is a good head coach. Some well, he he irritates me, but. He's got someone. He has, someone's gonna. Someone's gonna scoop him up just because he has it, a. 
he has a lot that he needs to iron out. He's got to figure out his ego. He has to remember that, you know, just because, you know, you had one big Super Bowl win doesn't mean that, the, you know, you get the keys to the city and the keys to the franchise. He needs to figure that out. But he's a good head coach. He knows what he's doing from an X's and O's standpoint. Yeah. So maybe he needs to take a year off, sort of like what Mike McCarthy did. And if he can come back and sort of and reestablish himself, yes. But he's got to do a lot of uh, butt kissing around the league because his reputation has been dragged over after the last couple of weeks. But yeah, I, think I think he will get another team. head coaching job. Yeah, I think some team's going to cave and sign him, but we'll see. I, I can see it happening, but part of me just feels like he's going to – yeah, his ego wouldn't let him be a coordinator. I, I, I feel like he's one of those guys that is pro. He's a, I don't know if I'd say he's a good head, decent head coach. Like I, I whatever, thirteen, fourteen, fifteenth, sixteenth best head coaches. I, I'd put him in there. But man, if I'm, I'm just putting myself in the in the shoes of a franchise, and if it's like I, if I'm running a franchise, I don't know if I call Doug Peterson. I, I don't. I really don't know if I do that. I probably wouldn't right now. Doug Peterson needs to be humbled, and he just did. So let's let him sit with it. Mm-hmm. Give him a call in a year. Let's when you know after week seventeen of next season, I wouldn't be surprised if Doug Peterson's at the top of some uh, team's call sheets. He, I, I would, I would put him up there. A, a Super Bowl winning head coach. Those don't come along very often. That's why this is. That's why this is really strange. And I know again, just how it ended is bad. But the, you know, the first seventy five percent of Doug Peterson's run in Philadelphia was pretty good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Coming up next on the final call, we will get into the wild card weekend that just was. We'll start off with Tampa Bay versus Washington. Our thoughts next on the final call. Back on the final call. This segment of the final call is brought to you by NewEnglandSportsUnited.com. NewEnglandSportsUnited.com, written by the one and only Jason Snow. NewEnglandSportsUnited.com, written for New England. A great publication. But you know what? There's another great publication I just want to hoot. It's uh, Sports, Sports Illustrated uh, uh, Activist uh. Athlete Spokesperson of the Year, LeBron James, <laughs> in which the jersey I am donning. Oh, Two great God. publications. Check them both out. And EsportsUnited.com. For more of my nonsense and stupid pretty sure uh, Sports Illustrated didn't need any extra plugs from us. Well, they just got one. Jason so. wanted to, yeah, Jason, sponsor the you show. Know what? Jason just really wanted that uh, that in there. <laughs> we're, we're talking about a goat conversation. Speaking of goats, how about my Indianapolis Colts this past weekend, huh? Woo! Uh, yeah, giving well, the number one, giving the number two seed a run for its money. Yeah, yeah the Colts well, played well this weekend, but I mean, they couldn't really get it done, though, could they? Every time they sort of were within reach of that game, something went wrong for the Colts. Uh, what'd you guys feel? How'd you guys feel about their performance against the Bills? Go ahead, Jason. They lost. Okay, they lost. I'll be the first to say it. They lost. Okay, <laughs> no fiery tables. I'm not jumping through anything. Yes, you are. You <laughs> you were jumping through a table. No. Um, but. I'll say what I'll say is this. And my major takeaway from this game was this is kind of how the modern NFL is going. And it reminded me of the Chiefs in that in the first half, at least, maybe even through the, three, the first three quarters, Indy didn't get, get many breaks. I mean, they arguably outplayed Buffalo for most of that game. 
you talk about field position, you talk about uh, the defense, you talk about quick three and outs. They put us, they put a lid on that Buffalo defense uh, offense for the first three quarters. And then, you know, you get to at the end of the, at the end of the first half, you get into a couple tight rope ca- uh, catches by Gabriel Davis. Uh, Buffalo just made the offensive plays that counted for seven instead of three. That's really what encapsulated this game for me. And, it's really encouraging if you're a Colts fan like me out there, which I know there's infinite. Um, <laughs> there should be anyway. But it was really encouraging to see this team went toe-to-toe with the number two seed and arguably the most impressive team from an offensive perspective, at least, throughout the course of the whole season. I mean, they have the, the MVP, Josh Allen, but Indy just couldn't make as many explosive plays, and that was the difference. I mean... Indy didn't really catch many breaks throughout the first three and a half quarters. They caught one break at the end, which I was super surprised uh, that that wasn't called a fumble. He was down, even though his knee was up. I was really confused. But um, throughout the course of that game, that was the one break they caught throughout that game. And Buffalo took took full advantage. And it it really summed up where the modern NFL is going, especially with high octane uh, offenses like the Chiefs and the Bills, they can just kind of make up for their for their losses and their their mistakes with just scoring uh, inexplicable touchdowns at some point that just have my jaw to the ground. So, uh, congrats to the Bills, but I'm really proud of how my my Colts competed. And I think you should be, Jason. I mean, they I thought the Colts executed really well, but they just couldn't finish. I mean, what was that drive in the middle of the third quarter that lasted what almost ten minutes? Mm-hmm. sucked the entire life out of the game, marched down the field, but they get to the goal line and they couldn't convert. Michael Pittman fingertips away from a touchdown. To missed the field game. goal. And a missed field goal later on. So exactly, They just couldn't finish. They, they labored they, they, they and played. labored in extended drives, but they couldn't get up with The seven. Colts play exactly. well. The Bills just, they just made the plays they had to. And it, they didn't really outplay them. I thought Buffalo played well, but they didn't, they weren't far and away the better team. Like, the stats and the uh, scoreboard might have you believe. Yeah, and I agree with you guys 100%. Colts, you know, well, let's just say this. The Bills' defense was bending and not breaking. That's the bottom line. And the Colts, like you guys said, 10-minute, 7-minute drives, you know, sucking down the play clock, and then they would only get, you know, either no points or they'd get three points. You can't do that against the Bills. you got to get at least six and there were too many drives like that in this game. And yeah, it came down, you know, to the wire at the end there. But I mean, if they went for that field goal early on in the first quarter instead of going for it on fourth and goal, you know, that's three points that they could have used at the end of the game. And I know that obviously hindsight's 2020 and if they had made that that uh that touchdown then it would have been a completely different game. I understand that, but you know, these playoff games come down to those little situations like that, those little decisions where, you know, the, the littlest misstep can cost you the game. And that, you know, I'm not saying that that field goal, if they went for field goal, they would have won the game, obviously. I'm just saying that, you know, decisions like that need to be made. And I know, Jason, you were kind of, you know, up in arms about that because the analytics thing, right, it's, it's become sort of a religion, right? Like, yes, analytics 100% have some validity to it and they should be used sometimes and they should you know they should be taken into account you know a lot of the times but it shouldn't be an end-all be-all you know like this is what we're doing it it should like a coaching a game a football game is a feel you got to get a feel for it and 
I did not like the the decision to go for it on fourth and goal there. I didn't. So I don't know if this analytics thing, it just shouldn't be an end-all, be-all thing. But, you know, the Colts, they played their heart out. Give them credit. Jonathan Taylor's going to be a stud and going forward, Jason. I know you're probably going to get a jersey of his pretty soon. Yeah, who called that? And by the way, I should I should trademark that saying. I, I Analytics went from a strategy to a religion. And, yes. and by the way, check out that baseball podcast that we did because I said that in, in there too. How many times do these coaches, regardless of sport, need to get burned by being like they're lost in analytics? Like they're too close to it. They're, you're over-examining it. And it's like oh, you have a better chance of scoring if you go for two. It's like, well, let's just play smart here. Let's just not get too close to it. So I agree with you guys about the analytics, but in that situation for the Colts, I actually didn't have too much of a problem with them going for the touchdown because I thought they needed the energy. They, they couldn't just settle for three. At that moment, they had gone how many drives for settling for field goals or having to punt? They needed a spark. They needed to punch it in, and they couldn't. Fingertips away. And that's sort of, how, yeah. sort of how you can describe this entire season for the Colts. And Jason, as a resident Colts fan, I mean, is there anyone you blame necessarily specifically for this win? Or, you know, what do you project for them next season real quick before we move on? But Who do I blame for this loss? Do you, do you blame anyone? Uh, Josh Allen and Brian Dable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's right. who I blame. Uh, who, in terms of next season, I think it all hinges on Phillip Rivers coming back. And yeah. Do they go with a veteran quarterback who's been in the league, who's been there, done that in big games? You think of Gar- Garoppolo, maybe. You think of Carson Wentz, maybe, if they Sean can get their Watson. hands on that. They're never, that's say. never happening with <laughs> Let's just say. Stop it. Hey, Chris Ballard's not an idiot. Let's just to be say quite that. honest, I think, I mean, if we're going to go down this rabbit hole really quick, I think Garoppolo fit perfectly. Yeah. Run heavy offense, strong offensive line. Defensive, I, any defensive quarterback would pitch. strength. I was no, going to say a lot of quarterbacks, but well. they would. But Garoppolo could th- like Garoppolo could be really good because that's essentially what San Francisco was last year, mm-hmm. right? And you don't want to go out and you don't want to. And Garoppolo's still in the prime of his career. He's still fairly young, and you don't want to exactly go with a rookie either because this team's ready to compete. I think Garoppolo could dep- could end up in Indy next year. There's just a lot to be excited about if you're a Colts fan like me out there. All right, so let's, let's, let's move on to the next game. How about Chicago, New Orleans? What do you guys think of uh, the Nickelodeon broadcast? Because I feel like there's not much else to talk about to come for this game. I have some thoughts. Um, you do? Give me, yeah. give me your review. Give me your, uh, your uh, movie critic review of this. I understand that we're trying to bring in young people into the game who's never watched football before. But, I mean, football is an exciting game. Do we really need to put it on Nickelodeon and have SpongeBob everywhere to really bring in children? Do we really need to do that? And I understand they really picked the most boring game out of all to do this for. Imagine if this was like the 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 Ravens Titans game or or the Cleveland Steelers game. Can you imagine all the slime in that end zone? Woo! Anyway, I didn't really watch the I didn't really watch the uh, the Nickelodeon broadcast, but I did flip back and forth just to see what they were doing. And one time I did, it was Nate Burleson on the call saying how, all right, well. And he was like, all right, Nate, can you explain to us like what the challenge flag is? And I'm like, are, are, are they seriously doing this? And he's like, well, you know, see, referees have yellow flags for uh, for penalties, but then coaches have red flags for challenging the play. And you can challenge plays based on both. And I was just like, oh, my God. I was like, this is, this is insulting my intelligence. 
Now, hey, I why are we, why are we watching in the first place? I wanted to see because I listen. I saw on social media, everyone's like, "Oh, this Nickelodeon thing's really cool," and I was watching it on ABC, and I'm like, "Okay." I was like, "Let me see what they're talking about." I literally go on for three seconds, and they're talking about they're explaining to me what a challenge is. I'm like, "I know what a challenge is, and I get it. I understand that all the football, you know, the football nerds like me are watching it on ABC with Jim Nance and Tony Romo. I get it." But it ugh, it just irritated me, and it's like they had young Sheldon for some reason explaining crap when it's like ugh, it's just it's a football game. You shouldn't need to you shouldn't need to put it on Nickelodeon to to get kids to draw in. If if you know these kids should know it's football. Football's awesome, kids. It's it's great. You don't need to put it on Nickelodeon. Also, Ben, you're probably scaring the kids right now. To be quite hey, honest. listen, kids. Like you're you can watch it. You can watch it on any any channel. Any channel. Literally, there's football every weekend. You can watch it anytime you want. But if you're gonna wait to watch it on Nickelodeon, like you're just you're that's not real football. You're watching a cartoon essentially. The first thing I thought of, I'm just gonna talk about the broadcast real quick. I I loved the energy that it brought. Noah Eagle was great. I loved Noah Eagle. Nate Burleson, uh-huh. same thing. That whole entire crew did a great job of pumping it up. Ben, I think all this comes down to is you want to get slimed. All right, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, is, uh. I, I also, you know, at first when I saw this, I thought it was kind of gimmicky. I was like, this kind of reminds me of having esports on you know, Turner or like TNT. Or I was just yeah. like, it's not for me. Um, but I think, you know, you and I, Ben, are just kind of like a bunch of meatheads out there that, you know, we already know what the, what the rule is and we already know why they have, you know, yellow flags. And it's just, it's for the kids. And honestly, going forward, I think baseball should do this. I, I really think, you know, why not try it? I mean, it's, it's worked with baseball. It got a great response. You know, why not bring up um, Jerry Seinfeld from Seinfeld? Like, bring up Kramer, put him in the right-hand <laughs> corner, and be like, he threw at someone because he was mad. He r- strolled around the bases too slowly. Why not <laughs> fix your crappy sinker? Like, just have them explain the etiquette of the rules. Get everyone involved. Bring a new energy to it. Do it in baseball. See, it. now baseball Baseball is a sport that if you watch it anywhere else, it's like watching paint dry. I'm sorry, guys. I know you like baseball, but for me, that's just, it's just Rather stare it's, up at the it's ceiling. boring. Yeah, that's a thing that you should put on Nickelodeon. Make it a cartoon. Make it interesting. But football, football you don't need to do that with football. Football's already exciting. Football's great. Every snap, something happens. It's great. You don't need to make it. It's, it's just, ugh, I don't know, whatever. But listen, shout out to Mr. Trubisky for getting the, the greatest individual achievement he's ever achieved in his career, which is the Nickelodeon Valuable Player, which, by the way, was a fan vote. And Drew Brees can't even win that MVP. So that's Ooh, pretty sad. Burned. By the way, that's pretty sad. I've, been, I've been up there with the Trubisky critics. Um, but I will say that one deep ball that he threw that is his wide receiver. That was that was pretty impressive. I'm not gonna I, I roast Chicago for being a snooze fest offensively and for Mitch Trubisky not having much of an arm. That one that one's not on him, but Chicago move off. Come on. That's, that, that, was, that was a dime of a throw. It uh, was receiver fact, absolutely should have came up with it. The fact Honestly, that they I, voted I, for him 
the fact that like that's how you know by the way the only people that were in the top three for the voting were all chicago players so you know it's just everyone in chicago is just voting all the little kids it's like dude you that's how you know they don't know anything about football they're voting for mitch trubisky they're like oh he's the quarterback for our team he must be well i think this just obviously justifies them taking him number two overall instead of sean watson you know what you're right obviously you're right because it's not well worth it they don't have they don't have a nickelodeon valuable player do they they don't they They don't. don't it's like Orlando Magic fans voted Aaron Gordon in the skills competition. That's what it, it is. Yes, that's exactly what it is. I, I just cater to you, Andrew, right there. By the way, did you, did you see Aaron Gordon dunk on Giannis? Ooh, Ooh. wow! The, the Greek poster. I'm so fantastic. Hey, I didn't want to spend too much time on this game because I I thought Nickelodeon was the only thing worth mentioning because and I didn't think we get this much out of it. So hey. Good on I you guys. The show so far. I feel better now. I had I had to let that out. Thank you. All right, let's talk about a game that was much more exciting. Cleveland Pittsburgh. Uh, a really another dominant win for Cleveland. Uh, they played great and, you, and without their head coach. So I got to ask you guys. I mean, what do you expect from them heading forward? I mean, I don't know if we were, if anyone's expecting them to beat Kansas City, but is the gap as wide as we think or we thought? Uh, listen. Yeah. The gap is pretty wide with Kansas City and anyone because it's Kansas City. And Kansas City is the best team in the league. So I don't see Cleveland com- going into Kansas City and winning. I just I just don't see a scenario where that happens. Then again, I didn't see them going into Pittsburgh and winning without a head coach. But as we all watched on Sunday night, that was, oh, man. I don't know if I've ever, I've watched a lot of football, right? I mean, we all have. I don't know if I've ever seen a collapse like that that early in the game. I mean, the first snap of the game, it's a, a snap that goes right over Big Ben's head, touchdown Cleveland, and then it was just an avalanche from there. They couldn't – the defense, one of the best defenses in the league, couldn't tackle, couldn't stop the run, couldn't stop the pass. It was just a mess. And then the Pittsburgh offense couldn't do anything in the first half. It was 28 to nothing in the first quarter. And – Big Ben ended up throwing for 500 yards in the game, which ended up being, you know, empty calories because they lost by 11 points. I mean, somehow they ended up scoring 37 points in this game. I don't know how the Steelers did that, but man, I mean, we, we see, we saw this with Pittsburgh though. It's like they, they get themselves into a hurl a hole early, like they did against Indy against Jason's Colts a few weeks ago. They ended up coming back in that game. But in this game, they just had no chance. They dug themselves way too deep. And we see this way too often with Mike Tomlin teams. They, they're really good in the regular season, and a playoff game comes along. They just don't show up. They don't show up. Remember a few years ago when they were favored to win against Jacksonville in the divisional, and then Jacksonville went into Pittsburgh and punched them in the mouth? No one saw that coming. It Very similar feeling. And, you know... I don't know who you got to point fingers at because, I mean, clearly that this team just isn't ready to to do something in the playoffs year in and year out. Yeah, they're good in the regular season. They obviously, the last five weeks of the year, they didn't have a great year. But the rest of it, I mean, that was just a terrible, terrible performance in the first half. I don't care how good their second half was. Big Ben had four interceptions on the night. Terrible performance by Pittsburgh. But got to give credit to Cleveland for winning without their head coach there. This is something I didn't think I'd have to do. I'm sorry to the city of Cleveland, and I'm sorry to Baker Mayfield, and I'm sorry 
to not Kevin Stefanski. I've praised him several times on the show, but I'm sorry to that entire organization for repeatedly, flagrantly calling them a clown show and calling that city unwinnable and just just thinking it was a, a breeding ground for monsters. And I, 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 they won that game and it was not even close. Like, I don't know, if, Andrew, this is your famous saying. I don't know if it was more of a Cleveland win than a Pittsburgh loss. I know that's you kind of like to uh, compartmentalize that, but mm-hmm. Cleveland took full advantage of a Pittsburgh team that, again, woefully underachieved. I'll say that. And, you know, in reference to their game next week, I this is going to be another one of those games for the Chiefs, at least, that they go up against a nice story that we don't really expect to be there. We think of, I think of Tennessee last year. Uh, coming up with a couple upset wins against the Patriots and then against the Ravens. And then we're just like, oh, how do they end up in the AFC championship game? And then they get squashed by Kansas City and Arrowhead. I feel like this is going to be how it, how it comes down for, for the Browns. And it, if they win in Kansas City, I, I will come on this show and I, I will just be so surprised. But I, I, I suppose I don't put it past them, but I'm sorry, that matchup doesn't look good for them. But I'm gonna, you know, praise him for the for the Pittsburgh win. I came on the show and I was like, I, I'd be surprised if Pittsburgh wins by less than two touchdowns. And yeah. then Pittsburgh just came, like, say they're a radio host. They come into the studio shirtless with their hair messed up, with a tie, struggling to put on, and they're just like in a mess. Notes flying everywhere. It's just a. They tripped over themselves. They fell down the stairs heading to the office. That's what happened. Um, they just weren't ready to play. And it's a, it's a veteran team that should be here by now. I mean, we talk quarterbacks underachieving where do we big Ben's on that list. That's for sure. And yep. four interceptions just didn't look at it. Like you said, Ben, this is what happens a lot. Oh, we put up 38 points in the last minute. It was like a 17 point game. And he just, it was just, ugh. Yeah. and by the way, this is long winded, but I don't care. Juju Smith Schuster, please. Stop with the TikToks. Win some games for I mean, you won some games, but be the leading factor in your team. Be DK Metcalf, be DeAndre Hopkins, be Michael Thomas, be Devontae Adams. I'll let you talk. What Just, about that quote he had? Same old all right. I'll be honest, I was thinking the same thing. I'm not I I was thinking the same. I was right there. <laughs> I was writing the coattails of that quote. So I but seriously, come on. You, they were so over cocky, and honestly, the better team came out and won. All right, so you guys mentioned a lot right there, and I, I think the one thing that everything you guys said boils down to is the culture of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And now we've talked about a lot about the Browns and how poor their culture's been over the years. Have the role sort of been flipped? Think about it. Cleveland goes on the road in their first playoff game in 18 years without their head coach and beats their division rival, their arch rival, in their first postseason win in 18 years. While the Pittsburgh Steelers, on the other hand, are dancing, making comments uh, prior to the game, acting like they have already won. Is, Cle- is Pittsburgh's culture this bad now? Um, I think this has been something we've seen for years. I mean, this is a reason why they've underachieved with... I mean, we say it all the time. They had Big Ben, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and they couldn't do anything with that. Why? They just... they. When it comes to playoff time, they're not ready. I don't know who's to blame. I mean, you know, a lot of people like to point at Mike Tomlin. I got a friend in Pittsburgh who is just not happy, and he was telling me he wants Tomlin to go. 
And I was, I was, you know, at the time I'm like, do we really want Tomlin to go? I mean, you went 11 and five, like, you know, but still, I, I don't know. This, this is a team that perpetually underachieves. I don't know what they're going to do to fix that. I listen, everyone at the beginning of the season was saying how Chase Claypool is like the offensive rookie of the year. And then, you know, a few seasons ago, everyone's saying how Juju Smith-Schuster is one of the best young receivers in the league. Both of those guys fizzled out real quick. And when it showed up, or when they needed to show up when it mattered most, they didn't. So, I don't know. I mean, perpetual underachievers. That's Honestly, Chase Claypool is the person I had the biggest issue with. Because he seems to be like he might be unaffected by this loss. You guys saw what he said after. I saw right? it on TikTok. TikTok. They love TikTok. Chase Claypool saying he doesn't care that they lost because they because the Browns are going to get their ass, their butts kicked against the Chiefs. I'm paraphrasing there, but you you're not upset about losing at home in the playoffs to your arch rivals before yeah. after you talked a ton of crap about them prior to, and you're just unaf- you, you're unaffected. Every loss, even when they when they undefeated when their undefeated stretch was broken, when they lost to Washington, they they were in the locker room making TikToks about losing. It's like. And they were like making fun out of it. It's like, come on, really? No, oh, that's that's even worse than the than the Saints disco ball. That that might be even worse. Yeah, that means. Oh, did the Saints disco ball after beating the Bears? Do we know? No, but Sean Payton got slimed. That was more of a, you know, public. I mean, or is is it the same? Is that the same level for you, Jason? No, because that that has more of a corporate feel to it. That that it just seemed like he <laughs> yeah. it was publicity stunt. Yeah. Nickelodeon forced that on him, but you know, doing the doing the caterpillar in the in the locker room, doing the worm in the locker room. Not, not also, Sean Payton was wearing like the freshest pair of of Concord Jordan Elevens, and they got slime all over them. And that Good. is going to that slime all over all sucks. Of them. That sucks. Like I can't even imagine what that's going to be like trying to clean those. But because they were white, I mean, you guys know the Concords, right? You know the Concords. They, they're white. I don't know anything we're, about shoes. I'm we're, we're running out of time, but hold on. <laughs> Before we wrap up this segment, this just goes to show you all the Jordan lovers out there. Oh, oh my god! Oh. Get over yourself. Get most over iconic, yourself. most iconic shoe brand in the history of the world. Oh god! Most over? No, just I'm not not most overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful there, Jason. <laughs> Tread lightly. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. We'll get to the next half of Wild Card Weekend up next on the final call. Final segment of the final call. I was, I don't know. When it comes to the Tampa Bay-Washington game from this weekend, I feel like there's just not a lot to take away from it. Really wasn't. And, and kudos to Washington, at least. Kudos to the Washington football team on an impressive season considering everything else. Considering all that team's been through this year, Quarterback controversies, controversies with the front office and ownership, your head coach dealing with uh, cancer and going through those treatments. But as for Tampa Bay, what did they really prove in this game? To me, not much. They beat a team that they should have beaten. Uh, I don't know. I, the real test is for them is heading forward. What would you guys take away from this game? Um, well, first of all, Tampa Bay, baby. They're going to New Orleans. Let's see if they can, you know, third time's a charm, baby. Let's go. Third time's a charm. Anyway, but listen, what did they prove? They proved that, you know, 
they couldn't they weren't in the playoffs before. They have Tom Brady, they're winning playoff games now. But to me the biggest thing was there was a few players that I thought, okay, the jitters are there. The playoff jitters are there. This is a team that went thirteen years without a playoff win or without a playoff berth even. And a lot of these players, you know, who have only been in the league for less than that, they've never been in the playoffs. And you could tell that there were some jitters. You know, uh, Mike Evans, who ended up starting to – he started to get going later in the game, but he started out kind of, you know, eh. Chris Godwin had like five drops, I counted, on the day. So that was something to look at. And he's a guy who Brady says has some of the best hands he's ever played with. So – you know, that's obviously they're going to need to button up going into New Orleans, into the Superdome, because we saw what happened when they played the Saints the last two times. I mean, it was not even close. So they're up against it this weekend. But to me, they prove that they can they get the jitters, they can overcome it, and they can win. So they just they, there's no room for error against the Saints this coming weekend. Jason, what'd you think? I had a couple different takeaways. One of which, all things considered, Ben, you talked about Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Even with those two guys, their top two receivers, not necessarily having spectacular days mm-hmm. uh, in their own right. And even without Ronald Jones, this team put up 500 yards of total offense. <laughs> uh, Tom Brady was sacked three times, rushed for 142 yards, only had three penalties against the, top, the fifth best defense in the NFL on the road. That, I mean, granted, we kind of knew that this team can light it up in spots over the course of the entire season. They proved that. Mm-hmm. But this kind of put into perspective for me that this team can show up in prime time, at least in that spot. Now, granted, does it seal the deal for me? Am I totally confident that they're going to go into New Orleans next week and play well? I'm not comfortable with that. I'm, I don't think that's a done deal. But it proved to me that it's possible. We talked about the... The Giants, they on Monday Night Football that the, the Brooks didn't really play particularly well. Uh, we talked about the two losses to New Orleans in the regular season. We talked about the Bears on on national TV. All those losses kind of stung. The Rams um, came into yep. Tampa and won. So this team has had its fair share of blunders in the biggest moments, and for them to show up offensively at least, just culminating this entire performance, which hardly any penalties for them. Uh, 500 yards total offense against a team that was seeking out Tom Brady. I loved Chase's young, uh, Chase Young's confidence heading into the game. I want 12. He's eating turf. I, I loved all of it. I loved the confidence, but they bit off more, a little bit more than they can chew. And I, I just loved this game for Tampa. I think, you know, Antonio Brown, he hasn't had that many, you know, standout games for them in a Tampa Bay uniform. He had one uh, against Washington. So I think it's, it's reassuring. And I think, you know, momentum is a powerful thing. And if they can build up this law, I mean, this win and go into the Saints house and play well, I think it's a good sign. I mean, for me, it's what was there to be impressed by? They beat a team they're supposed to be who's on their like fourth quarterback this year. And Washington played them well. Washington played them tough, but I, I can't. Taylor help Heineke feel- seemed to be the real Taylor Heineke. Hey, I'm. I'm giving all credit that's due to Taylor Heineke. I'm giving all credit that's due to Washington. This is not about them. But let's be honest, Tampa Bay kind of picked on a team that that they're better than by a lot. You know, this win doesn't prove anything. Go pick on someone your own size type of thing now. Do it against some real competition, someone that stacks up. 
kudos to Washington for getting there, but were they ever really a threat? No. Washington was never going to beat Tampa Bay. And frankly, Tampa Bay played down quite a bit. The offense was great, but we haven't mentioned the defense. They gave up. They let a fourth-string quarterback, someone who wasn't even on the roster, not just the starting roster, not just the practice squad, wasn't even part of Washington's organization at the start of the year. They let that guy hang around in a postseason game. And this is supposed to be a defense that's supposed to be one of the best in the league. They were missing Devin White, but yeah, no, you're right. Great, but I mean, Devin White's one part of, of an 11-man defense. And you could you say also, the same thing about the Saints, too. Mm-hmm. How so? Yeah. I'm sorry, I, I'm missing something. Like, no, because the, the Saints let the Bears hang around way too long. Yeah, okay, I see what you mean. Way too long. It, it's like that game shouldn't have been all that close. In New Orleans, Mitch Trubisky, when he does make good throws, they don't catch the ball. Like it, it's, it's just like that team... That shouldn't have been all that competitive. So it's like pick on, not pick on someone your own size because like they didn't really have a choice. Of I, 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 I don't want to like knock down Washington at all. I don't because I'm just saying I expect this from Tampa Bay. They should have won this game. Let's see them against some real competition. And even their last four games, because what heading to their bye week, what were we saying about Tampa Bay? They need to make a ton of adjustments. But in their last four games, they played Minnesota, Detroit, and then Atlanta twice. Yeah, they haven't faced any really good competition in a long time. But it's very much. It's very much. Listen, every team Brady's on. They the last four weeks of the year in December, they they, you know, find their true identity, and then they're going strong into the playoffs. So that's just typical Brady team to me. Brady Brady's fail safe for them, but let's just see what happens this time around. Third yeah. matchup against New Orleans. Let's move on to one of the, the other games that happened this weekend. How'd you guys react to uh, Seattle and Los Angeles? What'd you think of that one? This, Andrew, you, you typically like to compartmentalize the games and be like, okay, this was more of a one team's loss than another team's win. And I said that about the, the Steelers and Browns. This one was kind of more about how the Seahawks have fallen and and how you know they just came out unprepared. The energy just simply wasn't there, and they they honestly got outplayed on their own turf by a, two beat up quarterbacks, beat up defensive line, and they just got they just got beat. I, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, Jared Goff, fighter right there, surgery twelve yeah. days ago at the time of the game comes in, doesn't necessarily play like Mahomes, doesn't doesn't you know overstep his his limits. But he found Robert Woods a couple times. But for that defense, to, that Seattle defense, to like let up to that point to where the throws just came easy to Jared Goff. Like there were not really much pressure. Robert Woods, I just remember there was one time um, Goff was just so comfortable in the pocket and Robert Woods was all alone on the left side of the field all by himself. He could... He could have like taken his dog on a walk to the end zone with his leash, and like he could have been doing something. He could have played checkers on his way to the end zone. Like, he was so uncontested, and that that play just summed it up. And especially that pick six on the wide receiver screen, we don't see that. We don't see those often, and it just it just summed up the game. Like the energy wasn't there. It was just, and for Sean McVay, and we talk about this a lot. There are a bunch of different head coaches in the league. Most some of them stoic, like Belichick. Some of them more theatrical like a Mike Tomlin or something but for McVay still the youngest coach in the NFL to run up the sideline with his defensive back after that pick six that that really summed up the game the difference in energy the 
we're happy to be here. We, we don't really expect to win this game with a backup quarterback who is in finance three weeks ago who might delete his LinkedIn page now. It's like, <laughs> but that energy right there summed, it, summed up the whole game for me. Yeah, for me, I mean, the word that came to mind for Seattle was pathetic. They just, they did not look ready at all. And that's not something that you see often with a Russell Wilson team. I mean, Russell Wilson was, you know, essentially thrown to the Lions. There was nothing he could do against this this defense for the Rams. And Aaron Donald gets banged up late in the game. But before that, I mean, he was just wrecking the game as he does. I mean, pressure after pressure after pressure. Wilson had no time to throw. They couldn't run the ball because the the that front four was just all over the place and there was no way they could they could get through that line of scrimmage. And it was just it was just ugly. It was a very ugly game for Seattle at home by the way, which I I believe their last like four or five playoff games that they played at home they won. This was the first time they lost. And that's all you need to know. I mean, no one thought the the Rams would go in there and win. I I sure is. I I didn't. I mean, I was on you know last week saying how I think the Rams are a cute story, but they're not gonna they're not gonna win. But I was proven wrong. They're more than a cute story. They're for real. And like you said, Jason, Jared Goff broken thumb needed surgery on the thumb, and on his throwing hand, and was still able to come in the game and you know make excellent plays, excellent throws. You know that guy's a fighter. He's tough, and he's proved it. We get on golf a lot because sometimes we'll have games where it's like, okay, is 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 Sean McVay kind of holding his hand through everything? But you, something needs to be said when when you you break your thumb, you go into a playoff game, and you come out with the win. I mean, that's that's huge right there. And Seattle's defense, we all we all hate Seattle's defense. Seattle's defense is, you know, Jason likes to say, it's a pillow fight defense. Jamal Adams is great and you know stuffing the run and getting to the quarterback. But when it comes to covering. It, I mean, he had an easy interception when Goff threw it to Cooper Cup, and he looked like he didn't know what to do. I mean, that's just Jamal Adams for you. But, you know, this this team has a lot of holes, not just on offense and defense. They got to fix both of that going forward. I, I think it shows that we've been overrating Seattle, all, Seattle's offense all year, and we've been underrating L.A.'s defense. You know, yeah. for, for a long time, L.A. was sort of the team that was forgotten in that division because Russell Wilson came out and set the league on fire in the first five weeks. And then DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray had that highlight play. And the, and the Cardinals were the talk of the, of, the, of the league for a while. And the Niners had all these injuries. The Los Angeles Rams have been quietly like the most consistent team in that division all year. And no, they didn't win it. But they've been strong. They've been solid. Aaron Donald is already a Hall of Fame talent. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about franchise players, Aaron Donald's the Rams franchise player. Yep. Jalen Ramsey has shut down DK Metcalf. He went and he punched DK right in the mouth and DK had no answers for it. You know, Russell Wilson didn't have a ton of help in this game. And it's sad because Russell Wilson is a great talent. He's a great quarterback. Uh, but his teams have underperformed for a long time. And I'm wondering how much longer uh, the Seahawks will let that happen for. Cause he's a great dude. I'm, I don't think he'll ever say anything about it. I don't think he'll ever cause a problem. I just wonder how long will this go on? Something's got to change in Seattle at this point because they, you're right, Jason, the Seahawks have fallen off. They're not what they were with the Legion of Boom. They were not what they were with that defense. Not even close. Russell Wilson needs some help. They need some legitimate help for the Seahawks. But as for the Rams, I mean, toughness. 
Rams are a tough team. Kudos to Jared Goff. Now you're going to get an even. Uh, can that defense hold up against the best offense in the NFL and the Green Bay Packers? We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. All right, last game. Uh, let's get to the Titans and the Ravens. Uh, great game for the Ravens defense. They won this game. They won it for them. Uh, you know, you're going up against the second best team in terms of rush in terms of uh, yardage per game the regular season. The Titans, and they held them 209 yards on the day total, only 40 yards on the ground. Derrick Henry. So great game from the Ravens defense. They won this game. What what color pom poms were you waving, Ben? Were purple uh, or light blue? I had one of each <laughs> for a majority of this game. But listen, next week when when. The Ravens go to Buffalo. I'm I'm repping that jersey Andrew got me. Shout out to Andrew for that jersey because that is a great gift. Thanks, buddy. So <laughs> I'm going to be repping it anyway. I still can't find a Derrick Henry jersey anywhere. That's ridiculous. But anyway, listen, Mike Vrabel, obviously, he's going to you know be under a magnifying glass for this game. And there's a few things. There's a few reasons why. But number one, only 18 touches for Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is a guy who, I mean, we, we say this all the time. A lot of his yards come in the second half, third quarter, especially the fourth quarter. Why? It's because he's the kind of running style he has. He pounds and pounds and pounds. The defense gets bruised, beaten, like flat out just – Yeah, just flat out just – but they, they just lose energy over time just from trying to take down this mammoth of a man. I mean, 6'4", 260, it's not like taking down a normal running back or a normal wide receiver. I mean, this is a huge human being, and he comes at you full speed downhill. It's like trying to stop a freight train. And, you know, the further you go into the game, the less likely the linebackers and, and those front, those, that front seven are going to want to go in there and hit them because their, their bodies are just so bruised. I can only imagine. Yeah, they only had – he only had 40 yards, but I can imagine how sore that front seven for the the Ravens were after that. I mean, they just – he pounds them. But besides that, Ryan Tannehill, that interception he threw, he had A.J. Brown wide open on a go route. That would have been an easy touchdown, and that would have tied the game. And, you know, I, I know that on this show, Ryan Tannehill is kind of a hot and cold quarterback. Some of us, you know yeah. – I mean, I, I, I like Tannehill. I think he could win you games, but – I just wasn't impressed with that decision. You know, I mean, Tannehill, I mean, Andrew, you want to talk about quarterbacks who can't get it done in the playoffs. Tannehill might be one of those guys. Yeah. I mean, last year, yeah, last year against the Chiefs, you know, he had a few decisions like that where I was like, you know, that could have been played differently. And then against the Ravens, same thing. But I got to give all the credit in the world to my guy, Lamar Jackson, for, you know, most rush yards on the on the weekend, by the way, 136 rush yards, a touchdown, electric. That guy just has electricity flowing through his veins. But Baltimore Ravens, man, watch out! They're going, they're going to Buffalo, I believe. Watch out for the upset there. I'm just saying. Oh, I'm just saying they're hot right now, baby. <laughs> That's entirely possible, and you know, I mean that. I, I don't. I don't try to. I mean, I'm not trying to pile on or anything. And I don't want to seem like I'm smarter than Mike Rabel or the offensive coordinator or anyone. Because I'm not. Because I'm a moron. You guys listen to the show. I'm a moron. <laughs> <laughs> I spew nonsense. But Yeah, you think, you think LeBron's the GOAT, but go ahead. Oh, no. I'm brilliant when it comes to that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> never uh, I had to. anything. <laughs> um, 
but how many times I should have, I should have tallied this and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't, but I should have tallied the amount of times it was like second and two, third and three that they didn't run it and they threw it. And they would take, they would take Derrick Henry out of the game on third and short Tennessee. Yeah. And it's like, why? It's like you have the MVP. Like it's like how much easier does that decision need to be? Marshawn Lynch in the goal line bad. It's that. Yeah. And they even panned around to Derrick Henry walking down the sideline and Vrabel trying to coach him up. And Derrick Henry just like, I don't want to say he wasn't interested, but he was just like. He didn't look at him. He was, he was kind of disgusted. Yeah, he and didn't even like, look at Vrabel. But it's like, imagine going this far if you're Derrick Henry. And it's like, you've, you've gone this far. You've had this good of a season, this historic season. And then all of a sudden, that is thrown in your face. And it's Ryan Tannehill throwing off his back foot on third and three in your, in like threatening to go in the, in the red zone. And it's like, oh, really? They abandoned what got them there. I got to give all the credit in the world to Lamar Jackson finally winning a playoff game. Yes, there goes did. that. There goes that narrative. He can get it done in the playoffs, and he can he can come back from. Okay, from, all right. Well, let's slow down. Yes, he, beat, yes, he beat one yes. of the worst defenses in the NFL. He, okay. he won a playoff game. He won a playoff game. Yes. He won a he was, playoff he was game. Down, he was again. down ten points. He was down ten points. He came back and won that game. There goes that narrative too. So. Oh my gosh. There it is. Hey. He, okay. Titans are he, a division winner. You know, eleven and five. They were really good. And Lamar went in there and, you know, did his thing. This was, a Ravens, way, this, this was because of the Ravens' defense, let's be honest. The Ravens' defense won them this game. All right, well, Lamar had the most hey, rushing Lamar, yards on the weekend. Lamar, 36 La, yards. Rem- Lamar was on a team who won a playoff game. Lamar oh, was on a team goodness. who won a playoff oh, game. Goodness. Good for him. Oh, man. So was Trent Dilfer. Okay, no, I'm not going to let this happen. No, you are not comparing. <laughs> you are not comparing Lamar Jackson to Trent Dilfer. That is. If so we want to go by single game no, wins, Trent no, Dilfer no, has more Super no. Bowls. Stop! 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 Trent, stop! Lamar Jackson won an MVP, was first team All Pro, led the league in touchdowns. Great. Multiple year. You can be great for one season. You can win. He's one done it multiple years. Ben, we're not. He's 24 years old. Last year, he won the MVP. And he had all these records. This year, yeah, he, he, he didn't have, like, the numbers, I guess. He still rushed for over 1,000 yards. And he, he played now, well. He won, he he, won a he, playoff he game. The, he, and he, and they, and the he Ravens, came back from it. The Ravens' defense won this game for them. I see this because of the Ravens' defense. Lamar played well. He did. He had 136 yards on the ground. He scored a touchdown. He played well. I'm, all I'm saying is I view this as a Ra- because of the Ravens' defense. To hold, to, show, to hold Derrick Henry, who had 2,000 yards on the year, the second-best team, second-best offense in terms of yardage all season long, the Ravens' defense went and shut down the Titans' offense, and that's how I viewed this game. That's why I picked the Ravens to win that game because Trent I thought Dilfer. the Ravens' defense were that good. Really? Trent Dilfer? As, no, Lamar Jackson's better than Trent Dilfer, but if we want to boil it down to just single wins or single-game accolades – Lamar Jackson's in the same conversation, but he's an infinitely better, ta- way more talented than Trent Dilfer. He scores so, touchdowns. I'm so sorry, they're not the way you want him. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> dude, it has nothing to do with how he scores his touchdowns. All I'm mentioning right now is that this was because of the Ravens' defense. That's all I'm saying. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But it, I will admit that although I'm a moron, Lamar just happened to be on the same field. 
that is like that, that's totally discrediting discrediting him. Yeah, that's discrediting him. All I'm doing is giving credit to the Ravens defense. I'm not taking anything away from Lamar. I'm yes, giving you credit are. to you the literally defense. are saying you're literally saying that give all the defense the credit and then Lamar just happened to be on the same field. How is that how is that giving Lamar credit? How? It's because, like they're winning beyond him is what you're saying. Like, yeah. Okay, I don't mean to make it sound like that. I'm not saying beyond him because he didn't play poorly. It's not like the defense saved him. That's, that didn't happen. Lamar played fine. I just wasn't super impressed with it. I was more impressed with the defense. You didn't like that long run? Yeah, that long touchdown run. I mean, Those it was... times he was thrown. Cool play. I'm not, I'm not one for highlights. Oh... I'm not, but, I'm just not. Oh, watch that but Nickelodeon. I thought, you, I thought you were for. I thought you were for winning games in the postseason and and being clutch in those moments. It doesn't matter how. Well, it what did Lamar like do that was clutch? You, you said it doesn't he matter how it happens. From, wins or wins. Exactly, and he yeah. came back from down ten against a I mean, high powered offense that he had to keep up with. Right, but he's not facing the offense directly. He's facing a poor okay. and awful right, defense. Yep, backtracking now. All right. I'm not backtracking. You know it, Ben. We, right. I mentioned before this episode started, I mentioned last week how bad the Titans defense was. And now he's going bad. to Buffalo. And if he, if he wins in Buffalo, great. Even no, more momentum. You're going to say this. You're going to say the same thing. You're going to say, I? well, yeah, you're going to say, well, this will was I? defense and Lamar Jackson was on the same. Let's field. see what happens. Let's see what happens. If he goes out there and he puts and, and they just blow Buffalo out of the water. Then I'll give Lamar even more credit. I think I've been more than fair to Lamar this season. Been more than fair. I Maybe know he's your boy. T- I know, total, but not right now. Yeah. I oh, I think I'm being fair. No, I'm being fair. Not. Yes, I am. I'm being more than fair. Oh my gosh! You're comparing him to Trent Dilfer, and then and then saying that that because you want to you want to be on the you want to put him field. on this super pedestal. For no, he's, one of, he's one of the best quarterbacks. All right. Hold on, hold on. Ben, is Lamar Jackson a top five quarterback? I mean, probably not. No, I don't think so. Okay, there we go. That's, and that's, that's what I feel like you guys talk about, how you guys talk about him. No, but he's, he's 100% top 10. 100% top 10. Yeah, sure. All right, so we're on the same. I just, I, 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 I just feel it's been so much like just give Lamar everything. Lamar's the greatest ever thing to ever exist in the NFL. No, he there, just plays well week in and week out. So it's like. When when is when are these narratives going to change that he can't get it done and that he's not clutch and all this? So when is that going to change? He he proved the clutch uh, factor against Cleveland. I admitted it there, mm-hmm. and I just didn't think he was the main reason he won this. They won this game. No, he wasn't the main reason. But I mean, so Tom Brady right. wasn't. Tom Brady wasn't the main reason when they won those Super Bowls uh, in the early two thousands. But yeah, no, he are. wasn't. No, he so, wasn't. Got to give him credit. Uh, I'll give him credit for being part of a team that won a playoff game. Okay? And that's all That's all I can give them. Oh, man. That's all I can give them. It's like, okay, so we went through this whole tirade about, like, Lamar needs to win a playoff game. I don't care how he does it. He wins or wins in the playoffs. And that, that's pretty much what the whole narrative, how the whole story was. He needs to win in the playoffs. And now that he did what it took to, like, retract that and get over that narrative, it's like, well. Okay, so what's the next hump? What's the next hump? You, if you guys want to talk, I'm about asking it, you that question. What's the next hump? Next hump, we're is, over being, that hump. is being yeah. the reason you won. Oh man, be the reason you won. Pull your what team back. Enough for you. One touchdown. He does it week in and week out. He does it week in and week out. If you if you're gonna say if you're gonna say that you know, so 
All right, basically with this logic, you're going to say that Brady in those three Super Bowls at the, be- at the beginning of his career, he was just on the same field as great defenses? I mean... Oh my goodness! He he no that that's first of all leading the, leading that team back down that down at the end of the game that stretch set Adam Vinatieri for those two field goals against the Rams and against the Panthers no so I won't I, I won't take that away from Brady. All right, what what I'll say is this, and I'm just gonna confront this face on is that Andrew, I think you're uncomfortable with how unorthodox he is because that's not how a normal quarterback plays, and you like your quarterback to just stand in the pocket, read the defense, and throw. That's just not how Lamar is. And I, he'll never be that, quite frankly. And if you can't get over that, then I don't know what to tell you. But to, I, to be like, okay, he was on the same – like, he's leading that offense. He's leading half of the team. You can't just say, well, the left tackle won because he was on the same field. That's <laughs> like saying, like, the, the defense is great. The free safety wasn't great. But he was a part of the great defense. That, like, it's just, like, discrediting that player. I'm just like – well, if that he's player not, didn't play, this, if that player didn't play amazingly in that game, I'm not going to give him can, a credit well, for playing that amazingly. But well, he did we, play amazing. No, he didn't. He was yes, very he productive. Did. Can we just admit he that was he was productive? productive. I, I've and, said that this whole on. time. Can you let me finish? He's Sorry. productive, but not in the way you'd like. Exactly. Uh, sure. If you want to boil it down to a sentence, okay. He's just not your style of quarterback. That's fine. But, but I don't to, think yeah, it's fair it's to, not hit, your to style. discredit him. Exactly. It's it's not your style of quarterback that you that you'd rather it's un it's unorthodox, but to say that he like to just to just say like oh he, they're not winning because of him, you, that's just that's just not true. That's just not true. They won this game because of the Ravens defense. And because the Take offense that at face put up value. 20 points, but yeah. Okay, 20 points really isn't that much in the grand scheme of things, let's be honest. And also again against this Titans defense who is again quote, pillow fight, you could argue they, they should have put up more. Unbelievable. Lamar was told he couldn't win a playoff game. He and he just that. did. Okay. He That's was awesome. part of a team that won a playoff game. But can he lead that fourth quarter comeback in the playoffs? We, that is still yet to be seen. But if he did make a fourth and quarter comeback, you'd say, well, he wasn't no, in the first three quarters. So No, I wouldn't. Okay. Well, we'll just have to wait till he's down. I, to- I, gave, I gave him credit. Against the against Cleveland, came back from whatever he was dealing with in the, with the cramps or whatever you want to call that was happening. Then came back, made four great throws to lead the Ravens down the field on the road and set up a game-winning field goal. Cool, do it time in and time out. I will give him credit, but once you can start doing it consistently, that's where All you right. get the credit. That, that's not what you said before, though. You said he only had to win a playoff game, and he did that. Now it's we have to ramp it up more. Moving the goalposts. Not moving the that's what's post. going on. Yep, that's exact, dude. That's exactly what it is. Because he he proves you wrong time and time again, and then you backtrack time and time again. It's it's the same thing, same old song and he, dance. He was told he had to win a playoff game. He did. Now all of a sudden, that's not good enough. It's like really, come on. He gets credit. He played well. Wasn't the main reason they won. And that's been episode 67 of The Final Call. If you're interested in doing some reading, check out anysportsunited.com as well as the Scoreboard Times, written by the one and only Andrew Fantuccio. We'll be back on Friday, everyone, previewing the wildcard weekend matchups. Uh, See you later, y'all.
some kind of way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. There's too much confusion.